Podcast Answer Man, episode number 256. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. That's right, my friend. This show is all about taking your production, your engagement with your audience to the next level. We're going to be talking about how iTunes is requiring that you take your artwork to the next level. We're going to talk about how Facebook wants you to begin using their platform instead of third-party applications to take your audience engagement to the next level. And there's going to be several questions and some other exciting things that I'll be sharing in this episode as well. But as I do every week, I like to start off with a random plug of the week. And this week, it goes out to my good friend, Dr. David Geyer. He does the Dr. David Geyer Show. Uh, I'll put a link to this into the uh, show notes for episode 256. So if you just go over to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 256, you can find the links in the in the post right there. And to just give you an idea of what Dr. David Geyer's podcast is all about, I'm just going to go ahead and play the intro of his podcast, which is a great example for many people to follow because I believe that the first 60 seconds of your show should answer just about every question somebody has about what you might cover, who you are, and all this good stuff. It's, it's really good. Done really well. Here you go. It's the Dr. David Geyer Show. Providing sports injury prevention, treatment, and wellness information for athletes, coaches, parents, and the healthcare community. This is amazing. Answering your questions. Now here's your host, Dr. David Geyer. Hey everybody, it's episode number 31 of the Dr. David Geyer Show. I'm your host. David Geyer, as always, coming to you from the wonderful city of Charleston, South Carolina. I have a jam-packed show this week. We're going to talk about sports medicine as a business for hospitals and healthcare organizations. Tons of injuries in the That's Gotta Hurt segment. Bolton's Fabrice Muamba, Josh Howard, Ricky Rubio, Chipper Jones, Jabba Chamberlain, Chase Utley. Updates, Ryan Howard, Chris Carpenter, Tiger Woods, and a lot of great Ask Dr. Geyer questions. So stick around. All right, right. there you go. So that's the first 60 seconds of his show, and you can see how it does a really great job of setting everything up. And uh, for anybody who is into sports and you want to learn about sports injuries or how to recover from them, go check it out, drdavidgeyer.com, and look for the podcast. If you do like the show and you check it out, make sure that you tell him you heard about him from the podcast Answer Man. All right, the first thing that I want to bring up here as far as some information to share with you, um, there were a couple of things that are getting ready to change with iTunes or have changed in the specs that they sent out for podcasting. 
Now, I haven't had a chance to go through and compare them side by side like some of my friends have over at Raw Voice and some other places. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that over the next couple days or weeks or maybe just inviting one of those guys onto the show to tell us what's going on and what the changes are. You know, these are the reason why they're really deep into this is because uh, the folks behind uh, Raw Voice are the folks behind PowerPress, which is the p- podcasting plugin that I recommend to everybody. And of course, they have to actually do all the, you know, technical detail changes of, of what they put into what the podcast feeds that they're creating. Anyway, uh, one of the big things that I think is uh, important for me to share with you, each and every one of you, is about the artwork that you're using for your podcast. Now, this is the artwork that you're linking to in your RSS feed. This is also the artwork that you'll want to begin putting on your meta tags for tagging your file. Now, it's going to take me a while to upgrade all of my artwork to 1200 by 1200, but here's what the new spec says. It says, iTunes, and again, it says prefers, okay? iTunes prefers square JPEG images that are at least 1,200 by 1,200 pixels. Now, previously, they were saying 600 by 600, and even prior to that, it was 300 by 300. But today, they have changed it to where now their preference, and again, I want to say preference, it's not requirement, but preference is 1,200 by 1,200 pixels. They're saying this is different than what is specified as the RSS image tag, which I believe they're still recommending right around 145 by 145. I always just round it up to 150 by 150. Not a big deal. Anyway, it says in order for a podcast to be eligible for iTunes store feature, the accompanying image must be at least 1200 by 1200 pixels. Now, I had a couple people email me and says, oh my gosh, did you hear this? That they're no longer letting people into the iTunes store. You can no longer submit your feed unless your artwork for, you know, connected to the feed is 1200 by 1200. Is this, does this mean for those of us who are still using 300 by 300 or 600 by 600, are we going to get kicked out of the directory if we don't update? And if so, how soon do we, you know, how long do we have? And I just want to, I just want to clarify that it says iTunes prefers JPEG images that are at least 1200 by 1200. They prefer it. Now, it says here to be eligible for iTunes store feature. Now, this does not say that to be eligible to be added to the iTunes directory. It says to be eligible for iTunes store feature, the accompanying image must be 1200 by 1200 pixels. So here's the situation. If you do want to have your podcast uh, to be, you know, eligible to be handpicked by iTunes to be featured in a category on one of the iTunes directory pages, um, then yes, you would want to make sure that you have a 1200 by 1200 image. If you don't, they will not choose you. All right. That, that is exactly what it's saying. But this has nothing to do with your listing in the iTunes directory and whether or not your new podcast that you just spent some money getting 600 by 600 artwork, you can submit it with 600 by 600 artwork. It's no problem at all. You just won't get into that little featured section unless you upgrade to 1200 by 1200. Real quickly, there are, like I said, you'll, you'll, you don't need to go. I, I wouldn't recommend that you go back and change all of your prior 
episodes, unless maybe you only have five or 10 episodes, maybe then if you do upgrade to 1200 by 1200 artwork, it might make sense to do that because you have these new retina H, you know, super high def displays on the iPad three. You got people watching this stuff on uh, Roku, on the Apple TV, on their HD TV sets. So 1200 by 1200 artwork will look a little less blurry, a little less pixelated or whatever the case may be on those devices. So um, it would be nice to have some good looking artwork. I have thousands of episodes uh, among all of the different shows that I produce for myself, and I'm not going to go back and change anything. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, I, I'm using, I think I'm using 600 by 600 artwork for Podcast Answer Man right now, and I don't intend to go and change mine right away either uh, for for even the RSS feed or the um, future episodes of Podcast Answer Man. Just wanted to let you guys know that the change is there, and if you are seriously trying to get into that iTunes store feature, you'll need to upgrade your artwork to 1200 by 1200. All right. So wanted to bring that up. Next, we're moving on to some questions. We got four questions I'm going to try to get to today. The first one comes from Jared. Jared, take it away, my friend. Hey, Cliff. This is Jared Akers from the uh, How to Be Happy podcast with Jared and Emily Akers at jaredacres.com. First off, I just wanted to thank you so much for giving us a random plug of the week shortly after we launched, and uh, I was really appreciated. It was great to hear our voice on your show. It's like, wow, that was like a real confidence booster, but we're coming up on our 10th episode, and we're approaching 10,000 downloads, which seems incredible to me. I don't know if that is incredible, but it sure seems incredible, but my question is for the obvious of the podcast answer, man, and that is... When when I update my feeds, when I you know I do Lipson and all that stuff through WordPress, PowerPress, all that stuff, I notice that once I syndicate it or I publish it, it, it goes into iTunes pretty quickly. But what I've noticed is you know I, I use Pocket Cast. I notice sometimes it takes like up to 24 hours to even show up as a new episode in Pocket Cast. So I was wondering if you had any recommendations on you know if there was something a, a service I need to ping for that or you know, to get that to update quicker, but, um, or if you had any recommendations on that and, uh, if that's common or if not. So anyway, uh, appreciate it. God bless. And thanks for all that you do. All right, Jared, thank you so much for your feedback here or your question actually. Uh, and first I want to just say congratulations on number one, reaching your 10th episode. If you make it past episode number 10, there's a good chance you guys are going to continue on for the long haul, which is very cool. I'm just so excited that you've done that. And to think that you have a thousand download average per episode that you know and I get that just by saying you've got 10 episodes and you got 10,000 downloads so I'm just doing a little bit of math and uh and and it's easy for me to do that in the tens blocks so anyway about a, about a thousand average uh downloads per episode is pretty amazing for the niche where you're at uh but you must be doing something more than just creating a quality podcast you must be getting some you know good word of mouth out there you must be marketing yourself well um, you know, it was certainly my pleasure to to you know highlight you as a random plug of the week in the past. So hopefully that's helping. Uh, try to get some more of that happening on your behalf by building in great relationships, networking with other people, and keep creating. Can't live without cont- content on a very com- consistent basis moving forward, and uh, you'll do extremely well. Uh, we'll move on oh and the question <laughs> let me move oh goodness I, I by the way folks i i have a little case of a bronchitis right now <coughs> there you go it's taking everything within me to try not to cough consistently 
through this episode and actually finish complete sentences without coughing. So if I sound a little weird, that's why. Uh, but let me get to J- Jared's question about uh, the RSS feed taking so long to show up the new ep- episode in Pocket Cast. Now, uh, he's saying that it's, you know, showing up in other places, it's showing up in FeedBurner pretty relatively quickly. And it usually will within 15 to 20 minutes of you posting the episode to uh, WordPress uh, within sometimes instantly, many times within 15 to 20 minutes, it should show up and, you know, you should be able to download it in iTunes pretty much right away and, and, and a bunch of other things after about 15 to 20 minutes. However, with Pocket Cast, yes, this is actually, um, unfortunately normal. Pocket Cast is hands down my favorite application to subscribe to podcasts. There's, there's no other podcast out there that I uh, catcher that I like uh, more than that. I, you know, I'm not that super crazy about the built-in iTunes application for subscribing to podcasts. Not super crazy about Instacasts, although I do use it to subscribe to a bunch of other shows that I, I, I use to more keep up with uh, podcasting students, clients, and podcast mastermind members and stuff like that. I, I subscribe to every single podcast of all these different people I work with, and I just have that to... And I really don't like Instacast. But the thing is, is there are people out there who absolutely love Instacast. And Instacast seems to be pulling it right from the RSS feed. What's going on with Pocket Casts, and I, and I learned this from the, the creators of the app, is they actually are, they're holding everything, they actually um, cache everything on their own server. So they actually have their own server. And when you subscribe to the podcast using their application, it adds, it actually adds your subscription to their server so all of a sudden now their server is actually downloading the app or actually getting the new episode um, information from the rss feed and then they store it there so that they can send you a push notification when a new as soon as they are notified that a new episode is in the rss feed and that's kind of cool i love the idea that you get these little push notifications like hey there's a new episode but, um, you know, and, and so the, the idea, the understanding is that you don't have to go in and turn the application on and having it consistently pinging all the different RSS feeds for all the different podcasts that you're subscribed to before you actually get notified that there's a new episode. Eh, you know, it's a feature that, you know, I, I could live without. Honestly, I'd much rather personally go and load up my application, have it go check out all the RSS feeds, the actual RSS feeds themselves. And if there's a new episode, then it tells me. And even if that takes, a you know, 30 seconds or 60 seconds or 90 seconds because I subscribe to a hundred different podcasts, I, you know, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but they seem to think that it's a good idea to just have that information on file on their server. And then once their server is aware of it, the thing is, though, is what if their server is only checking podcast feeds every so often? Or what if their server hangs and this has happened several times for Podcast Answer Man. I've noticed where, you know, I, I'll release an episode and the next thing I know, it's like this episode of Podcast Answer Man is not showing. And it could be hours and sometimes it is the next day. It's At least that's happened on more than one occasion. And I email them and they say, you know what, we're so sorry. You know, server got slammed because of this or that. Um, my recommendation to you, and, and by the way, on Thursdays, we publish all of our shows. Uh, actually, my wife does this. She she takes all of the shows that I record and she puts them out into all of our RSS feeds and I'm subscribed to all of them. And usually within 20 to 30 minutes of posting them, I get a push notification to my phone that they're online. So almost all the time, 
it's not it's a non-issue almost all the time but when it is an issue it's an it's an issue and especially when there are so many people out there subscribing because I recommended Pocket Cast and I still do by the way I still love Pocket Cast but uh, my recommendation for everybody out there if you are having this issue where you publish an episode and it's not showing up for uh, you know it's taking more than an hour before it shows up in the Pocket Cast application. My recommendation is to go into the Pocket Cast application uh, for the iPhone. This is how you would do this. You would actually go into Casts. So you would open up the application. That's their, they just have Cast underneath the thing. Then click on the Gears icon. All right. And uh, I just need to shut down an application here. Click on the Gears icon. And then go all the way down and do About. And then uh, on the About page, there's an Email Us button. Just open that up and it'll pop up the email on your iPhone or your iPad or iOS device. Send them an email. Tell them, say, hey, why is this happening? And they will get back to you. And I, the only way they're going to change their ways is if, if if a lot of people email and say, you know what, this is, you know, I, I could do without the push notifications. Or is there anything more? Is there any other reason why you do it this way rather than having us able to subscribe directly to the RSS feed? I personally have told them that I would prefer that. I, I can't remember what the response was as far as what they thought about my 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 preferred method. But, um, you know, the only way they would change things is if lots of people email them. And I'm not suggesting everyone go and email them. Uh, you know, I, I like those guys. But, you know, if this is an issue for you, certainly know that they've put an email us button on the about page of the application. So there you go. Moving along, uh, let's see here. We covered uh, Jared. So next up is Stephanie. Stephanie, what do you have for us? Hi, Cliff. This is Stephanie from the TV Rewind Podcast at tvrewindpodcast.com. And I had a question for you about Lipson. I have been doing the TV Rewind Podcast for since September of 2010, going very well, and using a Lipson account for that from the Gmail account that I have with that podcast, but I'm looking to start a new podcast. It'll be a personal podcast about a totally different subject and wondering how I can set up that Lipson account. If it's possible to use the same email account and use a different RSS feed for that, but how do I set up another podcast with Lipson? Do I need to do a separate account and how does that work? So if you can answer, answer that, that would be fantastic. Thank you, and I look forward to your answer. Thanks. Bye. All right, Stephanie, thank you for the question. And here's here's what I want to tell you. I have two Libsyn accounts, all right? And I have the, the highest account that you can get on the on the non-Libsyn. They have a Libsyn Pro version. Um, technically speaking, I'm supposed to be on it, but they, you know, they're they're very kind in letting me stay on the pro- the program that I have. But I have these two 1.5 gigabyte accounts, and those two 1.5 gigabyte accounts, since I've been using them, have been the host for more than 20 different podcasts. Now, here's the one thing that concerns me: when you say, you know, I'm I'm using Libsyn and I've been using it since October, t- well, since 2010. Um, for the TV Rewind podcast, uh, you said you wonder if you can create another, uh, is there a way to add another podcast with another RSS feed? And that makes me, it just makes me think or assume that you might be using the RSS feed that comes from Libsyn to send to iTunes. And if that's the case, 
then what I do is not possible for you. Um, it, it could be if you change some things around drastically, but you know, it, it, there's a lot involved here. So here's, for those of you who use Libsyn, this makes a lot of sense. For those of you who don't, I'll try to make this make sense. So Libsyn is a service that if you go and create an account with them, you could do all of your podcasting, everything with them. You don't need to go out and create a third-party website or your own website. You don't, you don't have to create a WordPress account. You don't have to go get a hosting account for your website. Technically speaking, you could go to Libsyn, sign up for a $20 account or a $5 account or whatever account. Um, you can sign up for an account with them and they will give you a page for your podcast. And you can even do a little bit of design and and tweaking it and stuff like that. And that page is going to have its own RSS feed for your thing. And, and they make it so super easy that you could do this thing where you just go in and you're uploading the file. You give it a title. You give it a description and stuff like that. And boom, it immediately updates that web page and everything. And then it automatically updates the Libsyn RSS feed for that account and therefore, that account is oftentimes what you would submit to our, you know, to iTunes. However, I highly recommend if you are going to use Libsyn to use their web page, to use their RSS feed from their account, all of that stuff, I still recommend, and even my good friends at Libsyn will tell you that they recommend that you use FeedBurner in the middle. So you take the RSS feed that Libsyn provides you, that one RSS feed for the entire account for that, then you would take that RSS feed, send it to, to FeedBurner, and then FeedBurner, you could actually put all your information in there, and then you take the FeedBurner feed and submit that to all the podcast directories, and, and that's the one you pr- promote everywhere. And if you do that, then you could actually uh, say, you know what, for the longest time, I was pulling you know my RSS information from what Libsyn was given, but what I'm going to do, now I'm actually going to create multiple shows I'm going to create a wet, uh, like what I do with GSPN, I create one WordPress installation and I have uh, an RSS feed for every category that's in WordPress. And so what I would do is you know, I would take my TV Rewind podcast and I would create that as a subcategory on WordPress and I would actually take, you know, WordPress dot, you know, or my domain TV, let's just say it's TV Rewind podcast dot com slash category slash or actually mywebsite.com slash category slash TV Rewind slash F-E-E-D for the RSS feed. I would take that and go and put that into FeedBurner. And then I could actually create other categories on my WordPress site. So I could do, for mine, it's, a, let's just say the Hunger Games podcast. So I do mydomain.com slash category slash Hunger Games slash feed. And then, and then I would create a separate FeedBurner feed for that one as well. And what happens is for me, I am not using that web page. I'm not using that RSS feed from Libsyn. I'm just hosting my MP3 file. So I just upload the MP3 file at Libsyn, and that's the only thing I do at Libsyn, except for looking at stats. Uh, which, by the way, I think I'm going to have Rob from Libsyn come on and talk about some of the changes they're making to stats next week. Uh, at least it's scheduled. If nothing happens, uh, then then Rob will be on here next week. But anyway, I'm only using them technically for for stats, looking at the stats every now and then when I need to, but then also for hosting these MP3 files. So for me, I upload the MP3 file. I get the link, which is you know traffic.libsyn.com slash uh, my username account slash and then the the you know whatever the name of the file is dot mp3 
And so I just grab that URL and then I go publish that to my WordPress site, which then puts it into my WordPress uh, category RSS feed, which then goes out to FeedBurn, which goes out to everybody. I know that that sounds super technical and I, I think that's the worst job I think I've ever done trying to explain how all of this stuff works, but bear with me here. Again, I'm not feeling all that great this week. But uh, here's the situation, Stephanie. If you are using Libsyn's want your $20 a month account and you're using that web page that they provide you, you're using that RSS feed that they provide you, if you want to continue to use that WordPress page, or that, that Libsyn page, if you want to continue to use that Libsyn account, then you can still, with your single Gmail login, go in and add another account, under like another account or another podcast, another show under your account. So um, you can do that, but it will incur another monthly fee. It's either the $5, $15, the $20, whatever the whatever account that you set up, and then what will happen is you could still use one login and in your dashboard, you'll be able to select between the different shows. And each of those different shows in your account will have their own Libsyn website, their own your own Libsyn um, RSS feed and all of that stuff. And everything would be just like what you've been using since 2010. Now, the situation for me is, you know, all of my stats are all jumbled together and and stuff so the the benefit to you is that you would continue to be able to do it the same way that you've been doing it you will be able to have separate stats for separate shows for me i've got 20 different podcasts more than 20 different podcasts lumped into two different accounts that um you know that have a single login or they're technically they're called shows there but i just upload them and because i'm not a statsaholic and you know i, I don't see a day right in anywhere in my foreseeable future where I'm going to go to CPM models and and all that good jazz. I, you know, the stats, it doesn't bother me that they're all jumbled. I, I can do a, I actually make a point to name my shows in such a way that I can actually search the stats alphabetically and then it will actually be able to, I can actually do the math and kind of do my own kind of overall stats and averages and, and things like that. But Stephanie, that was a long way to answer your question. Can you go in and do it where you can not have to pay any more money? Yes, you can just start uploading new episodes uh, of a different podcast into the same account, the same show that you have. But if you're using that website, chances are those are going to start showing up in that feed and RSS and the page for Libsyn uh, from the other thing. So if you wanted to be able to just do it with one $20 a month account, my recommendation would be to go through all this process and all the work of getting uh, your own website, your own RSS, and and changing things around. Otherwise, go in and say, you know what, I want to create a new show for my account, and you would just incur that extra cost that way. Long way to go to answer that question, and I apologize if I made it any more uh, confusing than it needed to be. Uh, we are going to turn our uh, direction over to Austin next, who has a question for us about format. Hi, Cliff. This is Austin from residualincomelife.com from Cleveland, Ohio, calling for Podcast Answer Man. I have a quick question for you. I noticed that the most popular formats is usually once a week or every other week for a podcast. And I was curious on your input on which was the most effective for audience engagement. And I have done both. I have done once a week and I have done twice a, or every other week. 
and haven't really noticed a difference myself. And I was wondering if you had any input on that. Thanks, Cliff. Love everything you do and hope to hear from you. Thanks. Bye. Well, here's my question. You know, who who would you say are your closest friends? The the friends that you talk to, uh, you know, pretty consistently. You see them on a daily basis uh, at work or uh, at least on a weekly basis at a couple clubs, maybe church or here or there. Or those friends you see, you know, once a month or just every now and then in passing. Um, I think you probably understand where I'm going with this. And the idea is that, you know, I, I believe that the people who are probably your closest friend friends are ones you see more consistently. And so the more consistently you see them, the better the, your relationship is with them. And um, now there are some limitations to this. So, for example, there are times when, you know, you've got some people who are pretty good friends, but, you know, all of a sudden you decide to go on a, uh, you know, a, a you, your family and your your best friend's family, you decide to go on a double vacation, double family vacation together. And the next thing you know, for two weeks, you guys are going to be together every single day. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, these people are really getting annoying. <laughs> They're, it's like, I could really use a break from these people. I, I, I still love them. They're great. But wow, seriously? Woo. I'm glad this is I'm glad this vacation will be over soon because I really could use a vacation from these people. And so that's how I feel about daily podcasts, by the way. So I think that um, and and I don't I don't go and do a lot of research about, you know, like the the analytical things and 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 look at stats. and, And probably there are people who are more qualified to answer those kind of questions or this kind of question. But let me just tell you from my own personal experience the experience of my audience and what they've communicated to me and what I've seen work. And again, not looking at statistics, but just conversations. And I'm not talking about conversation with five or 10 people. I'm talking about conversations with hundreds of my clients, hundreds of students, hundreds of people out there. And and I will tell you, hands down, it's always weekly works best. One show, once a week, consistent release day time as much as possible um all of those things make it a habit that you so that you can become a habit for your audience um for me i know that when i get into good routines you know i know when i go to the i know when i go to the y and get on the treadmill for an hour on wednesday morning that i will probably be listening to xyz podcast and that's because i know that it downloaded the day before or the night before it's almost consistently without fail and you know i'm looking for consistency in my life i look for routine i'm a creature of habit and i like to put people into a a certain time slot into my life and so um i can tell you right now every weekend i look for a new god journey podcast every weekend i look for a new steve brown etc podcast every week i'm looking for um, you know, a new This Week in Tech podcast on Sunday night. I'm looking for a new Mac Break Weekly podcast, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. I, you know, I just looking for those shows and I know when they're going to come. And when they don't come one week, it really throws my week off. It's like, oh, that, 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 that there's not a new episode of that. What am I going to do? It's, I, and then I have to go find something different. And um, I don't know that I actually subscribe to any shows that aren't weekly. I, I don't know that I do. If I do, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm positive. I can tell you right now, 
I do not subscribe to any shows that aren't weekly. Now, here's the situation. I have two shows that are not recorded on a weekly basis right now, but are still in regular production. And it is the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast and the Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast. Both of those shows, I've, I've told everybody that, you know, you'll have an episode once per month. And I have a very loyal audience. Those people still check in. But you know what? Those people, I, I, a majority of those, I would say probably, and, and I'm just guessing, I would say maybe 95% of everybody who is subscribed to either either one of those podcasts are all subscribed to other shows that I do that are weekly. So they're still staying connected and engaged with me and our content, but uh, they're, you know, they, they just know that this, hey, that's an extra bonus show. Um, but man, if one of those two shows were my main show, that I'd be doing a show every single week. And I've done shows where uh, Pursuing a Balanced Life in the past where that show was, we did it daily, five shows a, a week. And consistently I got feedback. It's like, man, I just can't keep up. There's just so many. I And, and, and so daily wasn't that great. But every other week is not terrible. But it's you're just not going to be as as engaged and as connected to your audience as you could be. And not and, and by the way, I just want to just say this: just because you put a show out every single week doesn't mean you're going to be engaged with your audience. All right, there's so much more that goes into building a relationship and having engagement with your audience than just producing a show and publishing it each and every week at the same day on the same day and at the same time. There's so much more, but. I will tell you that if you go through all the other steps and you are willing to make the investment of building that relationship with your audience, a weekly show is going to go a, long, a lot further for you than a show every other week. So hope that helps you out. And we're going to move on to one more question here from Ray. Hello, Cliff. This is Ray Edwards from RayEdwards.com and the Ray Edwards podcast. I just wanted to say, first of all, congratulations on the blog world thing. That is so exciting. And I wanted to say thank you so much for your podcast because I discovered you through Michael Hyatt of MichaelHyatt.com. And listening to a couple of your shows was enough to inspire me to relaunch my podcast, which had basically died. And I'm so excited and my interest, my passion has been reignited because of the work that you're doing. And I wanted to express my gratitude for that. So thank you so much for that. And finally, I have a question for the podcast answer, man. I've got a pretty decent studio set up at home now, but I'm wondering what do you recommend as a mobile podcast setup? I do a lot of traveling in a motorhome and I'm wondering I can't take this whole studio with me on the road. So what do you recommend or what do you use if you're traveling and you want to do a high quality podcast with great audio? Thanks so much, Cliff. God bless. All right, Ray, thank you so much. Um, First and foremost, I don't do a lot of traveling where I take a high quality audio approach with me. Now, when I do a mobile podcasting and and, and I'm on the go, I will take my Roland R-05 recorder and that's it. I will just take that and I have the ability to record. Uh, it's, got, it's got the condenser microphone on it. So I will try to go to a place that has a decent ambient background that kind of just brings people in and lets them feel like they're there with me. Um, but it sounds to me like you have the convenience of being able to set up a little portable studio right there inside of your mobile, uh, your motor home. Or at least you might have a, a storage space that you could put a box or a couple pieces of equipment. 
So to answer your question, you, you said a high quality audio podcast, you know, on the road and knowing that you have this motorhome, if if I had a motorhome and I was out on the road a lot and I wanted to record, let's say Family from the Heart, Podcast Answer Man, all of this other stuff, here is my mo. This would, I, I can tell you right now, I can visualize, I'm closing my eyes and let me just tell you what I've got in my motorhome. And let's just say that the motorhome, I can't have everything all hooked up all the time because we use that for game board games with the family or whatever the case may be. So I have to pull it out, get it set up every single time. Let me let me describe to you in my mind's eye what I would be pulling out if I had a motorhome. Number one, I'd pull out my MacBook Air. And my MacBook Air would allow me to pull up, you know, all of the different sound effects so that I could play music like this. All right, so I would definitely make sure that I had the MacBook Air to queue up all my audio clips. Um, I would make sure that the, you know, I have a portable wireless internet access point so that I could, uh, you know, pull down audio clips from, you know, voicemails and stuff like that. So again, I'd have my MacBook Air and I would be going from the the speaker, the the headphones jack out of that into a, a small portable mixer. I would probably have, if I wanted to go really cheap, I would probably have a Behringer 802 mixer that has two XLR inputs and has a um, you know a couple of the you know left right audio line in jacks. Uh, but knowing that I I would want high quality, I probably wouldn't go super cheap. I would probably go ahead and buy myself a Mac Mackie 1202 mixer. Uh, just just because I would want to have something really nice and super, super superb for future expandability, especially if I wanted to take it out and do like a live show uh, at a, a big, gigantic podcast meetup that I'm doing. And I wanted to be able to have, pull out like a compressor limiter gate and do some other uh, fancy things. So I would have a MacBook Air. I would have a 1202 uh, Mackie mixer, uh, VLZ-1202 hyphen VLZ3 mixer um, and then uh, you know the cable to bring in the audio from the MacBook and then I would have a Roland R-05 recorder and I would be going out of the tape out of the mixer into the line in input of the Roland recorder and then I would have since we would be in a motorhome I would have two $30 tabletop mic stands all right, and then I would have two XLR mic cables, and on those mic stands, I would have, now me, I would have Heil PR40s, and of course, I would be keeping the the packaging that the Heil PR40s came in, they're, they're usually shipped with inside of this big foam thing, you know, in a zipper pouch these days, and so uh, easily stored for safety and, and, and keeping them from being damaged, but I would pull those out, put those onto the mic stand, and um, and because it's portable, I wouldn't really go too far into the uh, shock mount, but you could. Uh, and then probably I would just get a, a big foam windscreen to go over top of it. And that way I could have I could sit Stephanie down at the table. I could sit myself down at the table. We got our two high LPR 40s on tabletop mic stands. I've got my MacBook Air up. I've got all the queued up audio clips and I've got the recording. And, and pretty much I have just about everything that I have here in the studio, the only difference is, is that in the studio, uh, you know, I, I am set up for Skype mix minuses, which to be honest with you, you could do that with the MacBook Air. You would just need to grab, you know, like a, 
I, Griffin iMic USB card so that you can, you know, do the Skype mix minus. And the other thing that I've got going on here is my compressor limiter gate that kind of uh, takes away right there. What I just did was a breathing noise. And, and what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to just do the same thing. I'm going to unplug my compressor limiter gate. And there's that same breathing noise. So there you go. So I'm going to now plug in my compressor limiter gate. And so I just did the same breathing noise and you don't hear it. So that, I mean, that would be something that, man, that would be a little bit more of a pain to put in the portable setup and set up every single time. But it depends, you know, but yeah, I mean, if, if I was, if I was on the, if I had a motor home and I wanted super high quality, I've got myself high OPR forties for the road. I've got my tabletop mic stands. I got my mixer and I got my MacBook air and I'm good to go. And if I really wanted to go overboard, I would bring along my compressor limiter gate as well. Uh, but if you wanted to stay cheaper, here's the minimum. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously, if you want to be cheaper than the MacBook Air, you can go out and get yourself a, a PC-based, no, you know, Windows-based netbook. Uh, you could get yourself a Behringer 802 mixer, and you could get yourself uh, Shure SM58 microphones and uh, save yourself a lot of money there. But... Anyway, that's what I would do. All right, it is now time for our social media update. For that, of course, we are going to turn our attention over to our gspn.tv social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher. Eric, what do you got for us this week? Well, this week we're going to talk about timeline for brand pages, decreasing the engagement on those pages. This sounds pretty controversial, my friend. Um yeah, so you're you're telling me that there's something going on with the new Facebook timeline that is going to decrease the engagement of the people who are using this for their brands or for their business? Potentially. It's not necessarily clear whether it's timeline itself or if this is a pre-existing uh, issue, though some have brought it up in the past or or what, but that timeline has instigated it. Uh, the group over at HubSpot, yet again, has written a great article all about how they did a two-week experiment. And what the experiment was, was that, and basically what led them to do this was they suddenly saw a significant drop in the likes, the shares, the comments, etc., the engagement of their content that was being published to their Facebook page, brand page, through a third-party API. And and for example, those are things like Hootsuite, uh, Buffer app, which we love, um, HubSpot's own social media publishing tool, et cetera. So, so, so basically what you're saying is, you know, the, one of the things that I know uh, from reading the article with you is that they are very big on strategizing when they're going to release certain information, uh, what time, what day, and, and they have all that schedule, scheduled out using their social media tool, which is a third-party application that they uh, operate. And of course, when it comes a certain day and time, there they go through the third-party API and that gets published to their brand page on Facebook. And they notice that, hmm, all of a sudden we're, we're getting significantly less likes and click-throughs uh, ever since this new timeline came out. Correct. And and like a lot of businesses or personal brands, they don't have the time or a dedicated t- person or team to sit there and manually post things when the optimal times for posting are. Right. So so, so they they 
basically what they did is they went in, you're saying, or the article is saying is that they would manually go in and put something on the timeline. And all of a sudden it kind of went back to what they were used to, right. which is, uh, you know, a lot of engagement. So how, how did, what did they find out? Did they, obviously they did some kind of testing to yes. kind of report in an article here. So what did they do? All right. Well, what they did was they they used their own HubSpot social media publishing tool as well as an unnamed other very popular tool. And what they did was for two weeks straight, they would post something four times a day. Um, they would post it for post. They would use the third party API to post something, wait an hour, and then document the number of likes and clicks that that piece of content generated. Then they would delete the post and repost it manually from their Facebook page. And after an hour then, they would see how many numbers of likes and clicks there were. They did that four times a day for two full weeks. Wow. And after after this two-week period, they ran the numbers and they found a few key results. 67% less engagement on stuff not posted manually. Yeah. So if that doesn't indicate that there's definitely a difference between using third-party APIs on Facebook posting of content and literally using the Facebook.com site to post the content, I don't know what does. Several weeks ago, you came on and you explained to us what edge rank was. Yes. And it had something to do with affinity, weight, and all of that other good jazz. And in fact, I'm going to pause for one second so we can tell people what episode that is. Already, I found it. It is episode 247 of Podcast Answer Man. So if you want to know, we did a social media segment, episode 247 of Podcast Answer Man. You can just go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 247 to learn all about edge rank. But how, so how is edge rank maybe coming into play here? Well, in the, in the simplest of terms, edge rank again is, is made up of three key pieces. One is affinity, which is the number of times two people or a person in a page have interacted. So again, affinity, how many times you've interacted with a person or page? Wait, the number of times users have interacted with the content and recency, the time since the content was posted. And what is being believed here is that the initial weight of the piece of content is getting a, a reduced weight um, when it's initially posted through a third-party API, like it's all, it's automatically penalized in a sense right. from coming through a third-party API than from being posted literally on Facebook.com first. Back in our old social media serenity podcasting days, uh, we actually talked about this. Uh, we, we had It was before EdRank was announced, I Correct. believe. And yes. we, t- we had talked about the fact that it, it seemed like third-party services were getting less engagement, less likes, and posting things manually uh, was the way to do things if you really wanted to do uh, to get as much engagement as possible. Um, this, it sounds like to me this could potentially be an existing problem, but it's certainly something that I think has, judging by what this article says, it, it's it's something even more recent. They've they've tilted the shit or they've shifted even more on their focus for content created manually on their system. Yeah, it seems that way. I think what is being said here is that there's potentially something that has now either already been in existence or now further skewed in terms of the Facebook edge rank algorithm that had something to do with when brand pages switched over to timeline. 
one format. Of, one of the things that I saw that I, I was um, stood out to me in the article is they're saying, you know, the new timeline layout for brand pages seems to be great for big brands, big business, but it's not great for small businesses. What are the, what are they trying to say there? Well, what they're saying there is essentially big business has money, small businesses don't. And big businesses have the time, uh, not the time, but the people that have the time to manually post. And that's making all the difference. So they're, they're saying that in their studies that the engagement uh, for Coca-Cola, uh, what are some of the other companies they mention? Uh, Livestrong, Toyota. I know Starbucks is big on there as well. That their engagement has pretty much stayed the same or even may, actually maybe even saw a slight increase. I've seen reports that it's actually increased. Okay. So so those big brands are increasing. And what they did to find out is like, well, what's the difference there based upon what we're seeing and some other people are seeing? And that is when you post something on Facebook, you can actually see if it's posted by a third party API, it actually says posted by and it has the name of the service or the the application that was used. And what they noticed is that these big brands seem it seems that everything that's posted there is being posted directly into the Facebook uh, ecosystem, their their own direct uh, platform. So they're actually they've got employees who are logging into Facebook and keeping the Facebook fan page open all day and engaging directly with Facebook. Correct. I love the end of the article where they says, well, we just have to stand by until they fix this. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I don't know that Facebook thinks there's anything wrong. Yeah, it sounds to me like this is pretty intentional, that they really want people to keep Facebook open. If you want to interact with your community on Facebook and you want to engage, get engagement on Facebook, then by all means, use Facebook. Yeah. Um, that it, it seems to me that that's what they're saying. But they also said, you know, gone are, I guess for now, gone are the days of scheduling content. Which I don't, again, this is solely Facebook. So scheduling content still works incredibly well. And I've seen great increases through using Buffer app for Twitter. And I know you have as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely scheduling content on Twitter and stuff like that. When when I do use that, I, it, it works perfectly to, to be out there. But, you know, I can sort of see where, where they're saying is like, you know, you, you want to be able to schedule this content to be released and drip fed into Facebook. But, um, I, I, you know, one of the things that I would do in this case is even small businesses could afford to hire somebody to manually post things to Facebook at certain times. Correct. I mean, you know, it's very inexpensive these days to hire a virtual assistant. Uh, here in the States, I have one and, I, you know, it, it, it's affordable for me. So I could certainly say, you know, hey, I, I would like you to post, you know, here's a schedule of things that I want you to post. And um, I would like you to post these at these days and these times. And that might end up costing me if, if I was very, very, very heavily using social media and, and Facebook to, to brand and market and get click-throughs and engagement and all that other stuff, it might cost me somewhere between $50 to $150 per month uh, based upon how much I use it. Um, but that's here if I'm using somebody here in the States. Now, if I was to want to hire somebody in the Philippines, for example, or some other country, I could probably pull that off for about somewhere between 10 to 15 $10 to $50 per month. 
And for a small business who really would get this upset over this, that they would actually spend four, you know, what is it? Two weeks doing this test four times a day with two different third party services. Right. I would think that that company could probably afford that little bit of extra money to do this. But obviously it's within their desire to to get Facebook to change this because they have a social media tool. Yeah, yeah especially because they, want they, to they have a third party API tool they're wanting to use. So yeah. I, I think here's here's what I'm going to do from my personal perspective. I mean, you, if you were wanting to do something differently, you could do virtual assistant help for that. What I'm personally going to do and, and actually have been doing without even knowing it um, has been researching when the optimal times are to post things to Facebook to get the most traffic, but also to then literally have the entire piece of content written up and saved so that when it's ready and time to go, I can literally just drop it in. Yeah. So you just schedule that time as, you know, it's like I, you you make it an appointment, you know, exactly, on, at, two, exactly. at two o'clock each day, I log into Facebook and I paste one of these stories that I created over the weekend or something like that. That's exactly it. I like it. Yep. And, so that, and I've seen, I have personally seen more engagement and more likes and shares, et cetera, from doing this. So. I guess the big story here is that if you are using third-party tools like Hootsuite, like HubSpot's social media engagement tool or any of these other services, uh, if you have a Facebook brand page of any type, the important note is if you want the most engagement, by all means, open up your browser, log into Facebook, and manually post. That's our story this week. Yeah. Hey, I actually have one other tip. Yeah, go right ahead. I would say that even if you're going to continue to schedule Facebook stuff that has a lower automatic weight, you can still occasionally manually post something that would get a lot more um, clicks and engagement, and that'll raise people's affinity or, um, yes, affinity is the one, the number of times people interact with your brand. Oh, yes. So So that then those other... Uh, scheduled pieces will be seen by them more anyway. Yeah. So you don't have to go cold turkey, but try some of it. Exactly. Well, we wanted to bring that to everyone's attention. And Eric, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. If people want to connect with you on Twitter or Facebook or any place else you want them to connect, where where do you want people to connect with you online? Uh, I prefer Twitter. I'm a Twitter guy, but I also welcome Facebook. But both of them are twitter.com, facebook.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Well, my friends, that's going to do it for another episode of the podcast, Answer Man. I've got a couple of announcements I want to share before I let you go. First and foremost, I want to tell you that I will be at PodCamp Nashville uh, a week from this weekend, actually next weekend on April 14th, Saturday, April 14th. Go to podcampnashville.com. It's absolutely free for you to attend. I would love to see you there. If you're going to be there, send me an email. Let me know. Cliff at podcastanswerman.com. I would love to touch base with you while I'm there. I will be speaking at PodCamp Nashville. So uh, check that out. And then, of course, uh, Blog World, New Media Expo. I want to let you know that the podcast report, I shared the first episode in the podcast last week. And it is now live in iTunes. It's in Zoom. It's in BlackBerry. It's in Stitcher. Uh, Just look for it. It is the podcast report. If you want to 
I've got an easy shortened link. You can go to gspn.tv forward slash the podcast report. That'll take you to the direct location on the Blog World blog. And also, if you want to find it right in iTunes, gspn.tv forward slash TPR iTunes. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes as well. Just go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 256 for show notes on anything that I spoke about today. And then also, I want to remind you, Blog World New Media Expo is this June 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Jacob Javits Convention Center. I hope to see you there. If you do sign up, you can get 10% off of registration using promo code GSPN10 in the shopping cart. Again, that's GSPN10 in the shopping cart. Uh, will get you 10% off of your registration. And then finally, as I do each and every week, I want to say a special thank you to each of you who have used my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for a Bluehost hosting account. If you want to learn how I feel about hosting accounts for podcasting, go to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. You'll learn all about how I feel about web hosting for your podcast for your business, for your brand. Anyway, just want to give a shout out to the folks behind Manifestini.com. That's man, I, and then Festini is F-E-S-T-I-N-I.com for using my affiliate code. Also, GaryCarpenter.me. Thank you, Gary, for that. And then DizAfterDark.com. That's like DisneyAfterDark.com, but it's Diz, D-I-S, afterdark.com. Those all three of those domains were used to register a brand new hosting account with Bluehost within this past week and they all three used my affiliate code. And as you guys have been told, and I'll tell you again, I get a very generous commission each time you do that. So, for me to you, thank you very much. I am going to go ahead and wrap things up. I will talk to you guys again next week and until then, I encourage you to take your show and everything else you do in life to the next level. 